Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast dedicated to learning, sharing, and teaching the game of basketball. I'm Steve Kramer, player development coach, owner of Kramer Basketball, here with Coach Troshak of Brown City High School. And today we're digging into player development as Coach uh, picks my brain a little bit on a very important topic throughout the game of basketball. Coach, how you doing? Doing great. I'm looking forward to kind of diving into this topic because I feel myself, it, it's a bit of weakness or an area that I, I definitely want to improve. And I know there's a lot of coaches out there that are going to gain a lot from listening to this podcast and also just following your p- player development um, programs. So go ahead get us started. Yeah, let's dig in. Let's dig in. Fire away. So my question to you is after you your playing career and concluded, I know you went to a couple of years of coaching some some junior high and also assistant coach. So tell us, you know, what you did as far as player development during those days. So I started, I actually started a lot of my player development when I was still playing basketball overseas. So okay. um, when I was, when I was playing basketball in Europe, um, I had, I was coaching for two years of high school ball there, which overseas, it's not high school basketball. It's, it's club. Um, and, and overseas it's, it's predicated on moving your your players up so they can play better and at a higher level as they age. And so that was my first real taste of actually being in charge of, of a group. And over there, it, there wasn't this pressure of winning. The pressure was, are our guys getting better? And, and so that was, was always the main, the main focus. And, um, and so learning a lot as far as the, the progressions where there wasn't this pressure on winning so much as are we developing so that we can win later when we're older. That was a big piece that I took back into when I moved back to, to the States and, be, and began coaching. Uh, so as you mentioned, um, I coached back in the U.S. one year of eighth grade basketball, junior high, right? Um, and then I ran our youth basketball program at USA schools. And then I was assistant to Mark Gainforth while he was, when he still continues to coach at USA hall of fame coach. Um, and so integrating some of, some of those areas from a lot of what I had learned overseas with our youth basketball players was predominantly skill development. Like that's what's going to be the focus, developing our players, having fun, learning and enjoying the game of basketball and not putting the pressure on, did our sixth grade team win? Did our fifth grade team win when they were at this tournament? And then the older they get, the more competitive we can kind of get as far as wanting to try to win against the teams that we're playing. Now, you're an All-American at Hope, had the opportunities to play overseas. Um, you know, most would think you would transition into a high school basketball coach. So what led you the other direction instead of not the other direction, but what led you to specifically player development over being a high school coach? If you would have told me 10 years ago, I'd have my own business and player development. I thought you were crazy, right? That was not, that was not in the plans. Uh, I thought, as you mentioned, I was going to be a teacher and a high school basketball coach. Um, once I finished playing basketball in, in Europe, that's what I had wanted to do. Uh, coming up since I was young, since my degree, I got my degree in education, and that was the plan all along was to be a teacher and a high school basketball coach. I knew 
before it was just basketball was that I wanted to work with kids. And I had a passion for working with kids. I also had a passion for the game of basketball. And so putting them together as a, as a business doing that full time didn't happen until much later, but it was always in my mind of wanting to teach and wanting and wanting to coach. Um, fortunately, as you mentioned, I had a chance to keep playing basketball. And so I did that as, as my job, as my career for four years. And then as I went back and I was in the educational system for, for two more years, coaching and working, things kind of moved very, very organically where I was helping out uh, Coach Gainforth a lot at the school, but I also had other coaches contacting me. Uh, there was a local youth basketball camp that I'd been running for years and they were asking about how can they get their kids to come to my camp or can I go to their school and run a camp and just work with, with their kids. And so that's kind of when the, the light switch went on. I was like, whoa, I'm not even trying to do this for a living, but people are asking me to come and coach their kids. Okay, I might have, I might have something going here because I already loved it. Um, and so, you know, the, the big thing for me, and this is my, some of my foundation, regardless of, of what you do for a living, for me, there's four pillars, faith, passion, service, and sacrifice. And I, I think if you can have a foundation for, for how you live and what you try to do, now everything else can fall into place, have its own space for, for how we live. And so, you know, for, for me as a man of faith, I know if I can try to keep that and do my best is having that as my foundation. Okay. Now I can, can build on that. The other things that, that I'm trying to do. And as I mentioned, I got a passion for basketball. I got a passion for working with kids and try, I try to emphasize the importance of sacrifice and, and service in life. So you don't not only get the best out of yourself, but you help others get better as well. Oh, it definitely sounds like player development is your calling and you do a great job with it from the first interaction we had. Well, actually one of the first earlier interactions was a men's league. I wasn't even playing. My friend said, it was this guy, Steve Kramer. He's just unguardable. And then I saw that you were running some camps and I was at Caseville and I had a player attend and I started following you and I just ate up all the, the drills and all the things that you were doing. And I was like, this is somebody I got to send a kid to because he, he's truly uh, making them better. He truly cares about them. So I know what, what makes you different, but there are so many skill coaches out there. There's so many programs, you know, in your words, what makes you different than the other skill trainers? Yeah. So, so to preface that is what you're talking about. You know, I believe some people have a job, some people have a career and some people have a calling. And I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do. Like I said, I didn't plan it. It, it just started happening. And then I said, all right, let's go. Like if this is what it's going to be, I'm jumping all in and, and to, to emphasize how much I feel like player development was something that I was supposed to do. I started my business in 2014. My wife and I in 2013, both had full-time jobs living in Michigan. The, the, the groundwork was set for me to teach and be a high school basketball coach when coach Gainforth retired. And that's what I was going to do. But in the back of my mind, I kind of wanted to you know, I'd like to do this full time and impact even more people than I am. My wife at the same time wanted to get her PhD and become a professor. So we, we both quit our jobs. 
We moved to a new state. We didn't know a single person in the whole state of Ohio, even though it's close to Michigan. We didn't know one person in the state of Ohio. She entered a, a PhD program. Instead of me really applying for teaching, I did a little substitute teaching. And I went to the local gym and I said, I want to do some basketball lessons. Can you give me a, a shot? Can you give me a chance? And they were, you know, and I, I gave my background. I said, you know, I've coached. I played overseas. Yeah, can you give me a chance? And they were like, all right, well, we'll give you three hours a week to use our gym. Three, three hours a week. And so that fall, I trained six kids, six. That's how I started my full-time business on top of running a couple camps uh, in Michigan was I worked with six kids who signed up for this basketball program. And then six turned into 12, you know, 12 turned into, you know, 24. And it kind of slowly grew, grew from there. But it, it all came back to, you know, having faith and that you, this is something that you were meant to do and just jumping in with both feet. And I told my wife, I said, listen, you're, you're going into your PhD for four years. I was like, so give me four years because we're going to end up moving anyway. I got no problem moving wherever you get your professor position because you moved in to Europe and, and live with me. Right. So so we're, we're good there. I'll go wherever you get your you get your professor uh, teaching position. But give me four years to try to make this a legit full time business. And it happened and it did. And it, it really by about the third year, like it became pretty, pretty legitimate. And um and, and that's where it kind of organically grew from. Um, but to get back to your question on, you know, the, the separation, I think one of the biggest separators is there's, there's kind of workout guys and there's developers. And, you know, I'll give you a, a, a good example. There was a young man that we, we worked with out of uh, Midland. He played at Hope College. He played professionally uh, in a couple different countries. He played some semi-pro in the US and I'd been working with him for, for years. He also went to work with a pretty well-known uh, skills coach in the Grand Rapids area and he came back and I was like, hey, how, you know, how'd it go? How was it? And he's like, it was hard. I really worked hard. I got no idea if I got better or if there was really any translation into me playing in the game. It was just, it was a workout. I was sweating, it was, it was hard work. He's like, when I'm working with you, I know that what we're working on translates to me playing, playing better in the game. And I'll thank you everyone back to, to the other guy. But I think that's, that's a key piece when you're looking for a person who's outside of your basketball program to come and assist your players. Or if you're a parent looking for somebody to come in and work with, with your child, does this person, you know, just kind of rah-rah and they put you through some drills or do things match up? Do they progress is there a vision that, that you have for, for that player and you see that you're, you're working towards it? Is there a legitimate plan that they put together? And that's what I've been doing for a long time. I did it myself as a player. I did it with the teams that we were coaching. Now I do it not only with the camps that we run, but for a lot of other varsity coaches such as yourself uh, throughout the area. The other thing that, that I think you've got to have, whether you're a coach whether you're a skills coach, you know, I break it down to three C's, right? You got to be confident. You got to be able to communicate and you have to be competent in your understanding of the game. So, so to dig into that, you got to have, especially if you're in my position, 
where I got to earn trust in a hurry. Uh, when somebody brings me in for a basketball camp and I've never met that coach and I've never met those kids before, I got to earn their trust quick. So you got to have confidence. You got to have some, some swag about you, right? You, you, you at least look like you know what you're doing. You may not, but you, if, if you don't look confident about what you do, no chance, okay? The other thing is you may have skills. Maybe you're a former player at, at a high level, but can you teach? Can you communicate that to somebody else? There's plenty of people I know who can play way, way better than I, I, I can. But there's no way I would want them working with my kid because they can't communicate it in the right way to get someone else to develop and follow that program and that development. And then the third thing is you got to be competent. You got to know your stuff. Listen, you, you could communicate well. You could be confident. You, may, you, you, know, you look good in front of the camera, so to speak. But especially when you're dealing with high school basketball coaches and high-level basketball players, you guys can smell out a fake quick, right? And so I got to also have a short amount of time where I got to share, listen, I know the game, right? It's not just a couple of fancy drills that, that look cool on Instagram or YouTube or whatever. There's an understanding of the game. I've done my homework. And now, if you let me, I can help take your child or your program to another level. So let's get to work. While you were, you were sharing those, two things came to mind. One is you, you define uh, be where your feet are. You started with six players, and I'm, I know you treated those players like they were NBA, and that's what allowed you to continue to develop. And the second thing for those coaches listening out there is your attention to detail and ability to break skills down is, I think, another thing that separates you from any skills trainer. Um, you can teach, you know, an average player, you know, a move that they are going to be able to use and be able to, you know, I remember you taught one player specifically a Kobe Bryant move, and he used that move over and over again <laughs> in practice and in games, and it still it still worked. And it was just one move and he just did it great. And he was an average or below average player, but you made him with just one move, one thing he learned from you and he took it in, in, into his repertoire and really, you know, took it to a different level um, as far as uh, his playing ability. Now, if I'm a coach out there listening, I am, you know, wondering, hey, how can I get this guy involved in my program? And also, you know, what, 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 what do I expect? those um, those workouts to be structured like as far as player development and as far as the entire program. So can you dive into that a little? Yeah. So if you're, whether you're going to bring me in or, or not, like we, with this podcast, right, we just want to help as many people as we can. And so as we study, the big thing with me is I'm trying to study how we as athletes best learn skills. Right. And so going back to, to research, right. There's people that are much smarter than I am that have done studies on this stuff. And so we understand that the best way to learn a skill is through what you call block training, where you, you just, you concentrate on a small piece and let's try to master this skill. Okay. Then we'll add another piece on top, another piece, block, 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 block. And that's how we can master a skill. Now the best way to get the skill to translate into gameplay is what you would call randomized training, right? Which involves decision-making. It involves uh, the fact that 
you can't simply do one thing again and again and again, but it's got to be multiple actions going on. And so being able to progress a player, a program, whether it's a basketball camp or getting a, a coach like yourself to try to layer your instruction in a way that's going to work for the athlete, right? You don't, you can't be all over the place. You can't do, okay, we're going to do stationary ball handling here. And then we're going to do uh, a dribble move here and then a pass here and then a finish here. And they're not going to be able to put those two pieces together in a way that allows them to understand, okay, here's what we worked on here. And how does it translate over here? We got to have things in the middle, right? And in education, you call it the, the zone of proximal development, right? You can't make things too difficult that we don't, we don't get there, right? It can't be too easy. We got this kind of flow in the middle that, that's challenging. That learning, learning zone is where we, we want to be at. And so when we understand of how we can learn a new skill or get a high amount of repetitions in a certain thing because we want to hone on and master those specific skills like shooting, for example, we can block that. Okay, now it's time for us to transition that block into knocking down shots in the game. Now we need to start randomizing the instruction. And so to use your question in a, in a quick example, in a 45-minute workout, I might do form shooting for five minutes, okay, and it's, it's block. It's just shot after shot close to the basket, and I'm concentrating on specific pieces. So maybe I concentrate on my follow-through. Then maybe I concentrate on the motion of the ball. Then maybe I concentrate on the motion of my body. Okay, now I'm ready for some game shots, but it's still close, and it's just again and again and again. Now, okay, we've got that covered. Now let's do some spot shooting. Again, this is block training. It's, okay, I'm going to make 10 from the corner, 10 from the wing, the top, and the other side. Now I've knocked down, let's say, 50 shots. Okay, so we, so we got that. All right, so now let's start to slowly randomize it. So maybe I'm in the corner, and I go one dribble pull up right, one dribble pull up left, catch and shoot three. So now we're, not, we're no longer doing the exact same thing again and again and again. Slight, slight, minimal randomization with our instruction, which is, again, slightly allowing our player to get a little bit more game-like action, right? The only time we're in a game and we do the exact same thing two times in a row is shooting two free throws. That's the only time you get to do it, right? You have to be able to, to transfer one skill into the next, into the next while making decisions. So after you've done that, now we can transition into even more slightly randomized game situations. So maybe uh, it's me making a dribble move and pass them to a coach at the top of the key. And then I make a cut, I come back, and then I take a specific shot that we're trying to work on. So now it's ball handling, it's passing, it's moving without the basketball, and it's shooting, which is the focus of our workout, right? But we've put other precursors in there to make it more like a game situation. And now you want to fully randomize the instruction, right? It can be uh, exterior cue from a coach, it could be a live defender, something that is allowing that offensive player to have to make a decision, to make the correct decision to get into what they're shot at. So maybe you're working on cutting and shooting and you have a defender who's in there and maybe one time they're taking off the wing pop, okay? So you got to fade back to the corner and take the shot, okay? And the next time they take that away, so you got to work on a curl coming around for a jump shot. 
maybe maybe you pretend that you get jammed and so you can go out and take a straight pop, but you ran them off the three point line. So now you got to get into a one dribble pull up going right or left. We've we're still concentrating on shooting, but we've randomized the instruction. We've added decision making processes that will allow our player to now perform better in a game situation. But it all comes back to how we progress through our workout. Everybody's different, right? Everybody needs different levels of certain things. You know, I, I hate when coaches say, well, we don't do it that way. You got to do it this way. You know, everybody's different, right? So you can't say this is right and this is wrong because these are two different, different people or different programs, right? And so it, it's all dependent on what are the needs of those specific teams. There are programs that we'll go and work with, and their whole team will play a ton of AAU, right? And so they're really good at the randomized game actions of doing this, doing this, doing this. But the problem is they haven't spent enough time working on each specific skill, so they don't necessarily pull it off at a high level when they're in the game. And we might go to another school, and they're very fundamentally sound. They can pass. They can cut. They have good technique with their shots, but they haven't played enough so that when they're in a five-on-five situation, it's just boom, 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 boom. They're doing things automatically. And so, you know, with me, that's, that's my job is when I'm talking to coaches and observing their team and their program, how do they need to build and progress so they can get better during the season? And sometimes it's more technique, more block. We're just going to concentrate on uh, ball handling, some of our footwork with other. They got that, but they got to add more of the decision making. It all depends. No, that's that's great stuff. I like how you explain the progression of, you know, how, how players learn skills. And whenever you've come into our program, which has been a handful of times, the things that I, I really enjoy is, one, you ask for the coach's input. What do you need to work on? Because, like you said, every program is going to be different. The players are going to be different. Two, every time you've come and worked with us, it hasn't been the same. Even if I'm like, we need to work on attacking, and you've came two years in a row, the first year is going to be different from the second. And the third thing I really like that you do with uh, when you come into our program is make connections with the players and build those relationships. And I think that's another reason that uh, another reason that separates you from a lot of trainers is that personal connection with the program and the players. Now, I'm sure that um, it wasn't always like that. So what are um, some mistakes you made in the past that you can kind of pass along? Yeah, so I think having – Having the background has definitely helped me a lot. Like when it comes to training, there's no certification, right? You can't go and get a degree and being a basketball skills coach. Um, but for me, at least in my opinion, the next best thing, best thing is getting a degree in education because it's, it's the same clientele. You know, I work with pro athletes, college athletes, but the majority of the players I work with are high school. The second largest amount of players I work with our junior high. And so having that background in education has been really beneficial uh, for me. And then combining the experiences as a former basketball coach and as a former player kind of allow me to, to be in a good position of working with both the coach and the player in a really kind of even well-rounded kind of way. Um, as far as mistakes, man, we've all made plenty of mistakes. It's just, do we, do we learn from them? Like, do we, do we progress more out of them? Um, and I, I think there's a couple different things that I really use in my instruction now to benefit others. Um, one, when I started out 
working with athletes, I, I thought all of them were playing as much as I was as far as whether it's five on five or three on three or one on one. And so when I started out, I was like, they all need to work on technique, 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 which is some of our more deliberate practice methods, block training instruction. And as I went through, I found out, as I just talked about, players and sometimes entire programs are very different. And there, there's players that have not experienced enough gameplay, right, to be able to benefit from all the technique that we're teaching them. We got to put a higher percentage of whether it's a one-on-one -on -one live situation, a three-on-two situation, small-sided games. See, I played th – those are kind of a hot – topic in the u.s with with coaches <clears throat> that was old news back when i was in europe everybody was doing that stuff right um but i didn't do a good enough job of taking a lot of what we did overseas with our small group drills and implementing them into the players i was working with in the u.s right away it was more skill now it's much more specific to the needs of the players that that we're working with and then the other thing that I, that I would say is, as a, as a player, there was a, there was a team that I tried out for after my first year in, in Europe. It was one of the highest uh, leagues in, in Europe. Bremerhaven was the name of the team. And I went to this tryout. And I went to this tryout, and I, I played pretty well, but it wasn't fit towards what that team was and what that team needed me to be. See, I needed to be a, a, a piece for that team. They didn't need a guy to come in and shoot a lot and to be a scorer. They needed a player who was going to be a star in their role as far as making other people look good. And my biggest mistake was not recognizing that within that tryout early enough. So I didn't make that team, right? And it wasn't because I didn't work hard. It wasn't because I didn't do my best. It wasn't even because I, I really played bad. I played pretty good, okay? But it wasn't fit towards what the needs were of, of that specific team. And so now I try to reiterate that to the players, and I also do a better job myself of doing more homework as far as understanding there's different ways that we can be successful as an athlete, as a coach. You know, it's not necessarily black and white or right and wrong. Yeah, I liked how you mentioned that, you know, everyone makes mistakes and are, are they learning from them? And it sounds like that you definitely learn from, I wouldn't call them mistakes, they're just learning experiences. Yeah, and yeah. You, were, you were better off from that. And I think coaches listening to this podcast now have a kind of a better understanding of who you are, you know, how you work and, you know, how you teach and as a player development coach and what they, you know, what they can gain from you know, being part of your program. So what are some outlets that you can use to work with and instruct athletes? So the thing I want to emphasize is and what I try to try to do and communicate, whether it's, you know, face-to-face -face or, or through our training outlets digitally is if you can sell somebody on a vision, right? Because one thing that I try to emphasize with everybody, I'm from a rural blue collar area. Okay. And so the way that I grew up, like you work hard, that's not a pat on the back. Hey, good job. You're working so hard. That's just the bar, right? 
you're not necessarily going to, not that it's, it's right, but you're not even going to get a lot of praise for working hard. That's just the expectation, right? And so I try to, to take that into all the players that I work with, of getting them to understand what we're trying to do here is going to be a, a lot of hard work. But I'm trying to get you to have a vision for yourself and where you want to be, where you want to go, whether that's as an individual or as a team. And if you can sell somebody on a vision, if you can sell somebody on a vision that they have for themselves, the work becomes irrelevant. It's almost already done, right? Because now they got the vision, they got the fire, they got it. And it's just like, it's done. I know I got to do it. I know I have to work hard, but it's just boom, knocking down that day. Next day comes boom. And now we're knocking down one week at a time. Right, next week, next month. And now boom, boom, boom that compound effect starts, starts happening. And it's a beautiful thing to see. Um, and so what we try to do, whether it's working with our players through our online membership program at member.kramerbasketball.com, whether it's through our individual and small group lessons, or whether it's at the specific team camps that we run all over the place, is making sure that the team, the players, the coach, have an understand, uh, understanding of what's the vision that you have for yourself, okay? I can't have the vision for you. Your mom and dad can't have the vision for you. If you're an individual player, it might not necessarily be the coach's vision, but can, can we get on the same page? Can we understand what it's gonna take? Because chances are it's gonna take more work than you think. It's gonna take more time than you think. There's no microwave success in any of this. Anything worth doing, takes hard work and it takes a long period of time to make it happen. Okay. And now once we've done that, now we can start to start to get to work. And so I keep in touch with coaches through uh, email, through phone calls, through text messages, you know, watching video, the ton of different ways that we do it. But a lot of it comes into, you know, coming into work with their team or sending them some of our camps or training them digitally through our membership program. Ultimately, as high school coaches, we're, we're always looking to improve and we're looking to take our players uh, to the next level, um, whether that's skill level, college level, whatever it might be. Um, so that's really good stuff. Uh, you got anything else, Coach, you want to mention? No, I mean, it's, the bottom line is, you know, it's all about, as, a, as an individual, not just basketball development, but you know, there's a gap for all of us between kind of where we are and where we want to be. And are some of us going to try to close that gap by, by putting in the work necessary? or not. There's a ton of different ways now that we can learn the game of basketball, try to become better human beings in general, but are we going to take advantage of that? Are we going to be consistent enough to get the results that we want? That's what you got to do. And, and as, you, as you mentioned, you got to put the ball in their court and lay everything out for them, but I can't do a rep for them. You can't do a rep for them. They got to take that responsibility on themselves to make it happen. And that's something that we try to communicate to all of our players. Yeah, I think I've heard you say at a clinic or a camp that nothing works if you don't work. You know, you can lay out the drills. You can have the online platform. You can tell coaches, hey, here's, here's some things that you can do. But nothing's going to work if the, if the players don't work. And you do a great job of motivating those players to, to work anytime you come in the program. And I think it's because of the relationships you build and the confidence that you exude when you step into the gym. It helps that, you know, you're an All-American player and you played overseas and all those things. That's definitely, you know, a great background to build on. 
but that's not it. You know, what separates you is that attention to detail and those relationships you build with players and coaches. I appreciate it. So uh, thanks again, coach. I enjoyed doing the podcast. Um, Love to have more feedback from our coaches that are listening as we continue to move forward with the Coach's Edge platform. Thanks again and get after it today. Yeah.